Hallelujah. Uh, most of you have no way of knowing this, uh, but my wife had a uh, difficulty with her throat in 2016, and she has uh, sang very little when she's been able to get through uh, an entire song. Uh, she, uh, she hates to say no, and uh, she's afraid to say yes. Uh, but she did a right good job tonight, I thought. Oh, yeah. Of course, I'm, I knew she was struggling toward the end, but the Lord did help her. And I'm, I'm glad she was able to sing tonight. It has been an absolute delight to be with you this week. It's uh, been wonderful, wonderful for me. I've been able to share the pulpit with uh, one of my best friends, Brother Larry Hunt, and uh, we've been able to fellowship with them. And I've, I discovered something when, when I came here. Uh, I've been here several days, and, and I found out that your pastor, who I, in my opinion is a great, great preacher, casts a great a wide shadow, long, wide, broad shadow. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I knew coming in that uh, I'd be uh, standing with a great preacher and behind great men who've already graced this pulpit, but Pastor, I want to thank you, your wife, your church, uh, everybody affiliated with this meeting, all that uh, has been done. I just wonder if we could take a moment tonight and uh, appreciate Pastor's wife, this local body, everything they've done, sound personnel, everything, food, uh, you know, cleanup crews. Uh, would you let's just appreciate them tonight for everything that they've done? Hallelujah could have had uh, any preacher uh, in this pulpit uh, this week. I'm just honored to have been uh, one of them. Thank you so very much. Uh, if you uh, will go with me tonight, find the book of Hebrews chapter 11, please. While you're finding that, it is so good to see Brother Darren Clark's mom and dad in the, in the service uh, tonight. Uh, they stopped by, were headed uh, in another headed on someplace else, but they're with us tonight. I do appreciate uh, them being here. Uh, you know, it's good to see Brother Tim, Sister Ruthie, all of you that are in the house of the Lord. Uh, now, they say, I really don't know who they are. I just I just hear it, uh, that it, when you're preaching camp meeting, you know, just preach something you know, something you preach, something you've tried. There's Brother Andy Strayfield. Good to see him and his wife. Uh, but I don't know. I, I'm, I'm telling you, uh, today, I was planning on preaching something I, I know preaches. Somebody told me one time I was preaching at home in my state. A man who used to be an evangelism director in our denomination told me after church, he said, they got a saying down, I think he said, it's in Alabama, that dog a hunt. And so, uh, you know, I thought about preaching something that I, I knew would hunt. Uh, but the Lord just... Just, just one thought, just one revelation changed everything. And so I'm, I'm going to share with you tonight something uh, that, I, number one, I know to be the mind of God. Number two, I feel like I've preached it a thousand times. But if you go with me for the next little while, I've said to you on a couple of, couple of nights that I preach uh, with an aim toward the altar. I, I do want God to move among us. I, I said to him today, if it hasn't happened in this revival or this camp meeting, you haven't done it. I wouldn't cast in blame. I'm just, you'll understand after I say this. I said, if it hasn't happened, you haven't done it. Right. 
And if it, if it does happen, you'll have to do it. So that, that takes the weight off of my shoulders. If it's done, God Almighty will have to get it done. Uh, but there might be somebody in this house tonight needs to be saved. Might be somebody in this place not filled with the Holy Ghost. You need healing in your body. Uh, you need some kind of deliverance and answer to prayer. Uh, whatever that is, if you go with me for the next little while, I believe that God will speak to you in the service. Book of Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, would you notice verse 24 with me, please? The Bible says, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Don't preach for just a little while. Tonight I say a little while. I'll preach for a while on this thought simply. You ain't my mama. I can look at you other, it don't mean nothing. It does mean something. You just don't get it yet, but you will just a little bit. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. May please the Almighty to help us preach. You may be seated, sit down, get comfortable, but please don't sit down on me. Help me for the next uh, little while, if you will, please. You ain't my mama. There are few bonds in all of the world uh, tonight that are stronger than a mother and her son. Uh, you know, we never had any daughters. I had all boys. My wife was outnumbered in our house, but you'd never be able to tell it. Right. <laughs> our oldest boy is 46 years old, and my wife still calls him baby. The bond between my wife and, and her sons is a strong bond. Was in a service uh, last Sunday, and there was a, a a mother there who has two sons and a daughter. Uh, her oldest son is 42 years old, and he's strung out on drugs. And she said to me, "I love him," but her her husband said, "She loves that boy." Something about that bond between a mother and a son, youngest boy, 30 some years old, just a few weeks ago, had a heart attack. It scarred his heart. Uh, and she was talking about him and how she keeps a check on him. Uh, there is a bond between a mother and son uh, that, that is unrivaled in the world. There is a strong bond between twins. There's a strong bond between soldiers. Uh, I, I just noticed this morning when Brother Hunt had uh, veterans to stand, there, there is a bond uh, between those men that you and I know nothing about. You have to be a, a soldier, a veteran to know that. There's a strong bond. I found this out in a prison. I, I, I was invited by a pastor uh, to go preach in a in a prison where he would have a meet was having a meeting uh, every month or so, uh, and uh, I noticed that the men uh, didn't didn't really get in behind him. And then uh, when I preached, they didn't really get in behind me. But there was a man who went who used to be in what they call it in the system. He was a former inmate. And I'm telling you, he had him right there. There's a bond between even former inmates. But the bond between mother and son, 
uh, is, is, is beyond compare. Uh, you know, mama sees that boy from the time of birth. She sees him uh, when he is most vulnerable. She sees him in the most private of settings. She sees him when he is needy. And she sees him when he is soiled. And she sees him when he is sick. All of that somehow or other creates a bond between mama and son. And I found out that mothers are protective of their sons. And those sons grow up to be protective of their mothers. There's nothing that a mother would not do for her son. And in time, there's nothing that a son would not do for his mother. Now Moses was born three years after his brother Aaron was. When Aaron was born, there was no threat to Hebrew boys. Uh, among all the slaves of Egypt, there was no threat. They were in bondage. It was hard bondage. But there was no threat to babies being born. Within three years, though, that all changed. Something happened in the land of Israel, and that all changed. By the time Moses was born, uh, Moses was born under a danger sign. He was born during a dangerous, tumultuous times, uh, you know, for the Hebrews in the land of Egypt. As a matter of fact, when, when Moses was born, he was marked for death. His only crimes were, number one, he was born. Number two, he was a boy. Those were his only crimes. He was marked by the ruling power of Egypt, the potentate, the, the Pharaoh. Pharaoh did not know what was going on when he issued the edict. He just knew these folks are outnumbering us. He just knew if, if, if there's war... There's a possibility they'll join ranks with the enemy. Uh, and so he issued the edict that every boy that's born, uh, that boy would be thrown into the Nile River. He didn't know what was going on, but the devil knew what was going on. Uh, the devil knew that in 80 years, the time that Moses was, was, being, was born, the devil knew that in 80 years, that boy would march those Hebrew slaves out of the land of Egypt. He knew that. He knew that boy, one preacher said that God floated his navies into the land of Egypt through the tears of the baby Moses. Uh, the, the devil knew that in 80 years he'd lead those slaves away. He knew that he would devastate the land of Egypt. He knew that through that boy he'd deliver them from the hand of Pharaoh. And then he knew that boy would direct them across the sands of slavery. He just, the devil knew that this boy is going to be special. And he didn't just target Moses. He targeted every boy. And he figured if he could get every boy, he would get Moses. As a matter of fact, midwives were assigned as assassins. As soon when a Hebrew mother was in labor, soon as the boy was born, those, those midwives were to take those boys away from those mamas and throw them into the river Nile. What, what they were going to do is they were going to assassinate the seed of the Hebrews. They would assassinate future generations that would come along. They would assassinate the hopes and the dreams of the Hebrew people. I want to stop right here and say to you that, that there is still an assassin assigned tonight in this house. You, you, you can't walk ten feet until you bump into somebody that the devil has assigned an enemy to assassinate your dream, to assassinate your hope, 
to assassinate coming generations. Anybody hear what I'm saying tonight? There is a devil that will assassinate your faith if he can. If he can. He walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Now Moses' parents saw that he was a proper child. That simply means that he was handsome or he was elegant of body. He was comely and he was fair. They saw that there was something special about that boy and so they hid him for three months the midwives didn't get it and so they hid him for three months after three months apparently they felt like they couldn't hide him anymore now the number three in, in bible numerology speaks of the works of god hid him for three months three representing the works of god after three months they set him adrift in an ark of bulrushes in uh, the river Nile. Uh, the, the, the river Nile was known as the father of all life and the mother of all men. That, that's important. Uh, she, the river was known as the mother of all men. Pharaoh's daughter found him and freed him. From the river, from the Nile, Moses' mother, Jochebed, never named him. She knew she wouldn't keep him long. So it, I, I never noticed that until today. She never named that boy. She birthed him. She took care of him. She loved him. She hid him. And then she set him afloat in the Nile. And she never, she never named him. I don't know what she called him. Maybe she called him baby. Maybe she called him, I don't know. But she never named that boy. He never had a name for three months. Somebody help me just a little bit. Pharaoh's daughter drew him out of the river and she named him Moses. Moses means drawn out. So she drew him out of the water and gave him a name. And the Bible says this. The Bible said he became her son. Moses became Jacobed's son. Now there's a world of information in those four words. He became her son. But Pharaoh's daughter was the only mother that Moses would ever know. It, it would, you know, she'd be his mama for 40 years. Whenever she came down to the river uh, to bathe and to worship that morning, uh, and she discovered this uh, ark of uh, bulrushes and Moses inside, uh, she, when she looked inside and saw him crying, she said, this is a Hebrew child. And then she decided, I'm not going to kill him the way my daddy ordered. I'm going to raise this one. I'm, I'm going to mother this boy. Young Shalkamar, just let me preach tonight. Uh, you know, she became his mother. He became her son. And not only was the she his mother and the river now the mother of all men, uh, but the land of Egypt was, was Moses' motherland. A motherland, the definition is simply a country where you or your ancestors were born and to which you feel 
emotionally linked. You can move away and still feel that. That's the motherland. Jacobin, though she burnt that boy and put him adrift in that ark of bulrushes, but Miriam was hiding out and watching. And when Jacobin came and, and, and pulled him out of that water, Miriam came up and said, you want me to find somebody to nurse him for you? And a lot of women lost sons who could nurse that baby. And Jacob and Pharaoh's daughter said, yeah, find me somebody. Miriam went home and said, Mama, Pharaoh's daughter wants you to nurse your, that, that baby. Your son didn't have a name, I don't reckon, but wants you to take care of him. Uh, whenever Jacobed met Pharaoh's daughter, she said, I want you to nurse this boy. And when you have, when you take him home to nurse him, she said, I'll pay you for it. All right. Let me tell you what happened, folks. Moses, who was marked for death, went to his mama's house, and Pharaoh paid the daycare bill. All right. And while she had him, she didn't have him long, She's, I imagine she nursed him until she weaned him, probably several years. So I, this is what I believe. I believe she gave him a Christian education. And Pharaoh paid the bill. The boy that wasn't supposed to make it. The boy that was supposed to die in the Nile. The boy that wasn't supposed to live over a day. Pharaoh is paying for his daycare bill and his Christian education. You see, I believe mama knew I don't have long with my boy. I couldn't even name him. By the grace of God, I will get to nurse him. I will get to wean him. Come on, somebody. So I'm going to pour into him everything that a mama can. Between now and the time, i got to give all I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. I'm going to teach him everything that I feel like he can learn while I got a chance. I got a feeling he never called her mama. I got a feeling that Moses knew he's not going to stay there. He's been weaned and nurtured to be turned over to Pharaoh's daughter. So she gave him a crash course in everything that she could think of. She nursed her son and got paid by the king, the, the potentate. Moses received the finest education when he was given back to Pharaoh's daughter. He graduated from the West Point of, the, of his day in the land of Egypt. He wore the finest of clothes. He lived in the finest of houses. He had the richest of friends. He had the most powerful of neighbors. He had the most reputable tutors. Nothing but the best. Uh, for Moses, Pharaoh uh, was Moses' potentate, but he was also his papa. Shout tomorrow. It was his potentate, but also his papa Moses called Pharaoh's daughter mama. Had to do that. Didn't know but one mama. And the bond between the two of them grew and grew as 
though she had birthed that boy into this world, she stuck a silver spoon in Moses' mouth. Listen to me. She showed him the pleasures of Egypt. She showed him how the wine did roll. She showed him all the pleasures of flesh and license. Somebody help me a little bit tonight. I'm telling you, she showed that boy how to have a good time in Egypt. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching to folks here tonight that at one time you knew what it was like to enjoy the pleasures of Egypt. You knew what you, you knew how. You knew how things went. You knew the best water in holes. You knew how to find a hookup. Shout with me, somebody. You knew where to spend your money. I'm just saying to you, I believe that Pharaoh's daughter did the same thing with Moses. Just before you shut me down, he enjoyed it. Pleasure in sin. Moses enjoyed it. Not only did she show him not only did she introduce him to the pleasures of Egypt, she gave to him of the treasures of Egypt. All right. He could spend money wherever he wanted to. He was the richest prince in the land. Moses enjoyed pleasure and treasure. And the Bible said this in Exodus 2 and 10, the child grew. He grew in stature. He grew in love for his mama, for Pharaoh's daughter. Exodus 2 and 11 says, when Moses was grown. Hebrews 11, 24 said, when Moses was come to years, something happened. When Moses got grown, had enjoyed pleasure and treasure for 40 years. Something happened one day when he's 40 years old. I think I'll go out and visit my brethren. Somewhere he found out he was a Hebrew. Somewhere he found out he should have been a slave like the rest of them. Come on, somebody. Somewhere he found out the same blood that runs through those Hebrews' veins runs through my veins too. He, found, he went out to visit them, saw an Egyptian mistreating a Hebrew. He looked left and right. He killed the Egyptian and covered him in the sand. Now I'm telling you, Josephus said that Moses was a great leader. He was a great warrior, had many victories to his credit, but the dumbest thing he could have done in all of Egypt was bury a dead man in the sand. He buried that dead man, that Egyptian in the sand. The next day, he tried to work out an argument between two Hebrews, and one of them said, what, what are you going to do? You're going to kill us the way you did the Egyptian yesterday. All right. here's, here's what I want you to notice. I, you know, after 40 years, 40 years ago, the devil turned up the heat in Egypt because the deliverer was coming. 
Now, 40 years later, Moses had, has slain an Egyptian man, and the word has gotten out. It's going to get to the throne in just a little bit. Uh, when, when, when that day rolled around, when, when Moses had killed that man, he said, the Bible said, he thought that they would understood, understand that I am their deliverer. Here's the problem, folks. Moses thought he was ready. All right. Don't everybody shout one time to a lot of folks in churches think they're ready. I'm not even gonna look at these pastors, but these pastors can tell you they got folks sitting on their pews who think they're ready. Uh, you, they'll come into that office, sit down with that pastor, talk to you know, tell them what they want to do, and they think they're ready. Sitting on the other side of that desk, that pastor knows they're not ready. They're not ready. They go hate me if I tell them they're not ready, but they're not ready. Brother Clinton and had young preachers sitting on the pews of his church there in Beaumont City. He had one in particular. He said he never came to a, a prayer meeting. And he said, I kept a pretty tight rein on him. And he said, that boy came to me and said, why don't you let me go? Why don't you turn me loose? Uh, why don't you release me to go preach? And Brother Clinton and said, son, he said, I've never seen you in a prayer meeting here in the morning. And he said to him, he said, I, the world has enough prayerless preachers. I'm not going to curse the world by sending one more prayerless preacher. And then he asked him, he said, son, what you going to tell him if I let you go? You don't know nothing yourself. You know what Brother Clinton was saying? You ain't ready. Moses was not ready. I'm telling you the time was right for God to take him to school. But he had to go to school because Moses was not ready. But it was during this time when he's 40 years old, he realizes God is going to use me. Uh, it was during that time that Moses stood up. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And Moses' action, everything about him, said to Jochebed, You ain't my mama. That didn't mean a thing to y'all. Everything about him said to her, You ain't my mama. Every action he took said to that Nile River, You ain't my mama. Everything he did said to that motherland where he was born, You ain't my mama. I was born for greater things. There comes a time you gotta turn your back on that system. There comes a time I don't care how your daddy is. I don't care what your mama put into you. There comes a time you gotta say to that world, you ain't my mama. I'm tired of living like I've been living. I'm tired of doing what I've been doing. You ain't my mama. I was born for greater things. Put your hands together and bless God Almighty in this house. Everything that happened in him simply said to, to, to Pharaoh's daughter, to that Nile River, and to the land of Egypt, I've had enough. You ain't my mama. I believe that God began doing something in Moses 
so that he could begin doing something in Egypt. I believe when he's 40 years old, Moses remembered growing up in a woman's house for a little while. I think he must have remembered nursing at her breast. I believe he must have remembered hearing her sing an old Hebrew song when she's putting him to sleep, when he's waking up, he can hear her humming over him and she's stroking that baby's eyebrows and head, patting him on the stomach, singing old songs to him. I believe you recalled the stories that she taught him. She had to give him a crash course. She talked to him about creation and how in the beginning God created everything. He, she mentioned a man by the name of Adam lived a long time ago, had a wife by the name of Eve. She talked to him about sin and failure and then she talked to him about blood and redemption. I don't know if you're enjoying this, but I'm about to preach myself happy. Talk to him about sin. Talk to him about blood and redemption. Talk to him about sacrifice. Talk to him about the promise God made to Abraham. God said to Abraham, your seed going to go into a strange land. They'll be there 400 years. And at the end of 400 years, I am going to bring them out with a high hand. I can hear Jacobin saying, little man, you're the one that's going to lead us out of here. You're the one. i got to talk to you fast. I don't have a lot of time with you. And so she taught him everything. She knew. I think she talked to him about a man by the name of Joseph. Said, now Joseph preserved the people of God in this land of Egypt. Things were better then. But before he died, he called his brothers together. And he said, I'm going to die. But God's going to visit you. And he's going to bring you out of this land. And when he does, he said, I want you to swear to me. I want you to make an oath with me. That when you go, you're going to take my bones with you. I'm not an Egyptian. I belong to the land of promise. I belong to Canaan. A land flowing with milk and honey. Promise me that when God brings you out of here, you'll take my bones out when you go home. Now I understand that the bones of Joseph appear four times on the pages of Holy Writ. And the first time those bones appear in the word of God, those bones say simply, at least they did say, to Israel, and they say to us tonight, those bones said to Israel, God will bring you out. Amen. 400 years. Them bones been in that coffin since Genesis 50. But those bones, every time it got hard and tough, those bones would say, God's going to visit you. He's a coming. He's going to visit you. Second time, those bones appear. Those bones simply said to Israel, God 
will bring you through. They should have made the trip from Egypt to Canaan anywhere from 9 to 11 days. It's been estimated that there are fiery serpents out there. There are enemies and giants out there. But those bones said to Israel, God will bring you through. Where are you tonight? What are you going through? I, I want to tell you something. That those bones, those bones said to the people of God, God will bring you through. I came here to tell you that Christ, the Son of God, will bring you through. Whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that God will bring you through. The third time those bones appear on the pages of Holy Writ, they say to the people of God, God will bring you in. I look at you and tell that don't mean nothing. But they had to fight giants and conquer them. And then the Jordan is flooded. They say that the Jordan was flooded one mile to the east and one mile to the west. At least two miles. Anybody hear what I'm saying to you? Uh, but those bones said to him, God will bring you in. God told them what to do. And when the priest's feet touched the water, the Jordan began to stand up on the north side. And the south side flowed on toward the Dead Sea. Anybody hear the man of God tonight? Those bones said simply, don't worry about anything. God will bring you in. Now the fourth time you find the bones of Joseph, they're not talking so much to the people of Israel as they're talking to you and me. And those bones simply say, that God will take us up. Shout with me, somebody. God Almighty will take us up. When Moses stood that day and simply said, You ain't my mama. This is, this is not the calling for my life. The bones were over yonder. It would be another 40 years, but God would visit Israel and bring them out of bondage. She had to tell him everything she could. Think of she talked to him as fast as she could. She gave him a crash course in the history of Israel. Reiterated some points. Try to believe she did. Retold some stories over again. But the most important thing I believe Jochebed did was she told him who he was. Not so much. I'm your mama. She might have done that. She might have fought not to do that. But she said to him, I'm persuaded. How else would he know when the time was right, he would be the deliverer of Israel? I believe he remembered that slave woman telling him who he was. And she told him what he was. You survived the midwives. You survived the Nile. You survived death and assassination. You should never have been in Pharaoh's house. You should never have gone to the academy of the military. You should never have slept in linen and satin. You should never have led an Egyptian army. You should never have been hailed an Egyptian hero. Anybody hear what I'm saying to you? I, I believe she told him who he was. 
I believe she told him what he was. And when he's in trouble and he can't stay in Egypt and does not know where to go, he remembers that Hebrew slave saying, Son, God's got a plan for you. God's going to use you. I don't know everything he's going to do, but he's going to bring you here at some point and you're going to lead us out of this bondage. Somebody ought to shout praise God with me here tonight. I represent the Son of God who will bring you out of anything that you're in tonight. He is the ultimate deliverer. He's the superior deliverer. He's the imminent deliverer tonight. You ain't my mama. It was after that would be 40 years later. It was after that that Moses would. Well, before I say that, let me just tell you how the Apostle Paul, I believe it was the Apostle Paul. Let me tell you how the Apostle Paul said it. Of Moses, he said this. By faith, faith Moses, when he was come to years, Refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. The first thing he did was he refused. And the second thing he did was he chose. Made a decision. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Third thing he did was he esteemed. He esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. The next thing he did was he respected, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. The next thing he did was he forsook by faith. He forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. The next thing he did was he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Through faith, he kept the Passover, the sprinkling of blood. He passed through the rest. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. It was only after Moses looked at Pharaoh's daughter, looked at Egypt and the Nile River, and said, you ain't my mama. It was only after that that he came to Passover and the, the, the killed lamb and the shed blood. It was only after that that God showed up in a cloud and led him 40 years through a wilderness. It was only after that there was a tabernacle in the wilderness and bread fell from heaven. For, come on, somebody. Bread fell from heaven for 40 years. It was after that that God gave them angels food and kept them alive. It was after that that God opened up a rock and gave them rivers of water in a dry place. Anybody hear what I'm saying to you? It's only after he said you ain't my mama. I don't know why I'm saying this but I'm not going to question it. Got a feeling it might be somebody here tonight. Got to say it appeals. All right. Medication. It's legal medication, but used illegally. Got a feeling somebody here tonight needs to look at that pill bottle and say, You 
ain't my mama. Maybe you're drinking in secret. What you need to do is you need to say that that alcohol, the spirit of alcohol, you ain't my mama. I was born for better things than this. I could go down the line. I could talk about item after item after item. It may be because you haven't said to something, you ain't my mama, that you're not filled with the Holy Ghost yet. Shout with me somebody. It may be you haven't had your breakthrough because you've not squared your shoulders and planted your feet and said to the spirit of the world, you ain't my mama. Come on, somebody. Somebody in this house tonight needs to stand up and make up your mind. I'll be everything I was born to be. I'll be everything I was called to be. This world, this system is not my mama. And I can never fulfill the will of God so long as it is. Look at somebody and say, this world ain't my mama. You looking at me, you ain't doing it. I'm trying to quit because I'll preach long enough to. I'm telling you here tonight, don't know why it took till Friday. I'm telling you here tonight, in the fear of God, there's some of us haven't stepped into that place. God brought us into the world to occupy because we have shunned away from telling certain things of the spirit of this age. You ain't my mama. Come on, somebody. Until God owns us, lock, stock, and barrel. We'll have a problem saying to this world system, you ain't my mama. Somebody praise God Almighty with me in this house. I feel like, I feel like I'm about to bust. I feel like I need to quit, but I feel like I need to say something else. I'm saying here tonight, folks, I didn't choose this. I was going to preach another message, but in that room, God Almighty spoke into my spirit. And what I'm sharing with you, it came from him. Somebody tonight, it'll help you Sunday, but somebody tonight needs to say to that world system, you ain't my mama. You heard my message on the dagger. Some of you need to say your flesh. You ain't my mama. When Isaac's wife was pregnant for 20 years, she couldn't have children, got pregnant. And things were going so crazy in her anatomy, she didn't know what was going on. So she went to prayer and said to God, what's happening here? I wanted children, but I ain't enjoying this pregnancy. 
Something right here. God started talking to her. Said you got twins inside you. Said there are two nations inside of you. And they are totally different. You, you, you know all that story. Said there are two, Jacob and Esau were inside her. Esau's a, you know, he's so hairy he looked like an animal. Said you got two nations inside of you. And they're going to be different. And this is what God said. He said that the, he said that the older will serve the younger. Jacob was the younger. He's a type of that, that new life. He's a type of, of you know, the, of the redeemed life. Esau's a type of that flesh. But this is what God said. God said that flesh will serve that spirit. I'm telling somebody in this house tonight, if you can will to do a thing, you can will not to do a thing. And that flesh will have to serve your decision. Anybody hear me in this house tonight? If you decide I'm cutting it off tonight, I'll never do it again. That flesh has got to mind the spirit. That flesh has got to serve the spirit. you got to draw the line and say to that flesh, you ain't my mama. I praise long enough to quit. I've earned the right to quit. I deserve the right to quit. I'm going to quit. <laughs> Y'all about preach me to death tonight. But it ain't time to go home. Don't grab your coat, your hat, your pocketbook, your Bible, your tablet, or your phone. It ain't time to go yet. Somebody got to draw the line tonight. Somebody got to refuse, forsake, choose, esteem, respect. Anybody hear what I'm saying? That's the next step tonight. Musicians and singers, going to come. It's the last night and y'all done a good job all week. But, but keep on playing something. Got life in and can't meet in tempo. Would you stand with me all over this house? Listen to me, people of God. You need more than for a preacher to lay hands on your head. That's biblical. That works. But when Hannah had an adversary by the name of Penina, she'd go to church and Elkanah'd give her a worthy portion she wouldn't eat. She wouldn't worship. She wouldn't participate. This particular trip, she'd had enough. And she went into the house of God by herself. Knelt down at that altar by herself. Prayed to God by herself. She prayed so low. 
Eli could see her lips moving but couldn't hear a word she said. Paraphrasing, she simply said to that situation, you ain't my mama. I come to church and I can't worship. I come here and I'm not happy. I ain't got no children and you just make it worse. But tonight, you ain't my mama. God, if you'll just give me one son, I promise you when I wean him, I'll give him back to you. She prayed through. She asked God for the favor. She said to that situation, you ain't my mama. She, she, the Bible said when she got up, her countenance was no more sad. You know what she did? She acted like she had a house full of boys. And she wasn't even pregnant. Bible said her countenance was no more sad. When they got home, the Bible said she conceived. That boy was born, she named him Samuel. Kept him long enough to wean him, wouldn't go back to church until she weaned him. When she went back to church, she said, she said to Eli, I got, this is the boy I asked God for the night you thought I was drunk. And she said, I promised God I'd lend him to him as soon as I weaned him. I'll see you next year when I bring him a new coat. Anybody hear what I'm saying to you? And then God, God gave her more children after that. You gotta get to the place. You're ready to draw a line in the sand and say to every adversary and every dictator over you, you ain't my mama. You're lost, you can get saved. If you're saved, you can get sanctified. You're sanctified, you can get filled with the Holy Ghost. They're going to begin to sing all over this house. Would you come? Listen, don't kiss the carpet. Get in these altars. Hands, hearts, faces, voices raised. And just say to God, it'll be different after tonight. It'll be different. After tonight, would you come all over this house? They're going to start singing. I want you to march with victory. That tonight's going to turn the tide. Tonight is going to turn the tide. I'm serving notice that that world, that system, my flesh is not my mama. I no longer have affiliation with that. Things are changing tonight. Come all over this house, would you? Get in here as close as you can. Begin to talk to God. Begin to lift your voice. Begin to talk to Him. If you're struggling with anything, declare tonight you ain't my mama.